This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Someone said concerning life that it's the grind that gets us. Everyone say the grind. What is that? What does that mean, the grind? That's the, that's the normal 60-hour work week. That's the juggling of child care in the middle of the summer. It's the, is there any time at all for a vacation? It's the grind of life. It's the stress that, that the heat brings on us because our electrical bills are higher than ever. It's the stress of, of, of dual working families, of mom and dad both trying to figure it all out. It's the stress of uh, while they say the economy's growing and while we've had some superficial growth possibly in the stock market, we all know that it's kind of stale. It's the difficulty of our particular area with oil and gas. It's all of the, all the stuff in life that's just grinding on us in our home. And it's the grind that gets you. As a pastor, I've witnessed over the last few months a lot of issues that are popping up in the families of Calvary Church along with families in the community that I get to serve and minister to even though they're not a part of this church. I'm seeing that the grind is starting to wear people down. Even if you were to look at it from a political view. We were making great strides as a country in racial relationships and now that's popping up to some degree. We were making incredible strides in inclusion and now that's popping up and we're becoming a little bit more exclusive. So from politics to economy to all the above of our local communities, what I'm seeing is that the grind is at work. You don't have enough money to buy your way out of the grind. You don't have enough intelligence to outsmart the grind. Like someone says in maybe an AO or in our college ministry, it's more of a, a, a youthful statement, but the struggle is real. The struggle's real. And you're not going to get away from it. So if it's here, and if it's here to stay, then we have to figure out a way as believers to manage it. And I want you to know, while the struggle is real, the struggle of the grind does not have to be fatal. It does not have to be the end of your story. I know you're working more and you're being paid less. I know that tension is in the home. I know that stress abounds. But almost like the Bible says, Mr. Craig, concerning sin, how sin abounds, the Bible says as much sin as there is, there's still more grace than there is sin. Well, guess what? As much as the grind there is, there's still hope for the home. Don't think that the enemy's telling you the truth when it says, is this, is, is this is all it's gonna be? Is this how we're gonna spend the rest of our lives? Are we always gonna be bickering and fighting? Are we always gonna have to be squeezing the dollar? Are we always going to be this stressed out and beat down and worn out? I will tell you no. That weeping endures for the night, but the Bible tells us that joy comes in the morning. And my job as your pastor is to give you some hope to hold on to and so over today and the next few weeks, I'm going to just do my best to encourage you and to strengthen you because I want you to know your home and your family is important to me. And I want to see you win. I want to see you succeed. 
And I don't want to see you drift off into Neverland and, and wondering how it ever happened. So part of my job is to show you what I feel are some areas that we need to address. So I'm putting on my pastor hat. I'm putting it on good and tight. And I want you to hear my spirit today and my heart because I, everything that will be said comes out of love. What I need from you is for you to be mature enough over the next 30 minutes or so to hear what I have to say and apply it to your life. Because you're not the same as the cat next to you. Your marriage is not the same as the marriage over here. Your finances are different than his finances or hers. So you're going to have to be mature enough to say, here's a prescription. I have to apply it to my life. I can't do that for you. So you're going to have to be man enough, woman enough. You're going to have to be mature enough, uh, AO students, to take this and modify it and make it fit for you and your improvement. In the book of Song of Solomon, chapter number 2 and verse 15, the wise man tells us in Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15, he paints a word picture for us, and he makes it so unique because he tells us that our lives are as though it would be a vineyard in bloom. Here's how it says. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Your life individually separated from your spouse or children or parents. You, your life, your individual, unique, created life by God is like a vineyard that's in bloom. But if it's going to reach its full harvest, you're going to have to protect it. And you're going to have to give it some time. Harvest, whether it be watermelons or peaches or soybeans, you name it. Harvest doesn't just happen instantly. It must be protected and you must give it time. Can I get an amen this morning? But in the protecting, you're to protect what, what Solomon says, you need to protect yourself from the little problems, the little foxes that want to ruin your life. And this is as strong as you can say it. There are little problems that are in your home right now that want to grow and develop and mature to the place that they want to ruin your life. The little foxes that I'm talking about want to ruin your marriage. They want to ruin your financial security and your financial statements. The little foxes I'm talking about want to ruin you as a daddy and as a mama. The little foxes I'm talking about want to ruin you even in junior high and high school. They want to ruin you for your future. And my job over the next few minutes is to show you that if you can get a hold of the little foxes, if you could practice some safety measures and look out for the little foxes, those little problems won't become big problems and those big problems won't be able to become fatal and destructive. But it's going to require scrutiny. It's going to require diligence. You're going to have to have good eyesight. You're going to have to have good sensitivity. Let me say it this way. You're going to have to recognize the little problem, but then you're going to have to acknowledge it. You'll never get ahead dealing with issues in your home by putting your head in the sand. Because it's not going away. It's only going to get worse. Man, you guys are quiet today. I told the first service, I told the first service that the topic I'm dealing with today will either send me back home to Louisiana to sell insurance in my father's footsteps. 
or it's gonna bring great health to our church. Trust me, I don't wanna go home to Louisiana. So I'm believing with all my heart that this information in the next few minutes will bring health to your home. Matthew chapter five, Jesus does a much better job than myself in showing you the dangers of little things. He first exposes a big, big, big problem called murder. But he shows, though, in Matthew 5, that murder never happens without there being a root problem of anger. It was anger left unattended that brought a man or woman in the story that Jesus tells to a place of murder. But it's not over there. He goes on in verses 25, 26, and 27, and he discusses something called adultery. And he says, adultery didn't just happen. It started with a problem called lust. So before we have to deal with big issues like murder and big issues like adultery or big issues like bankruptcy or big issues like physical abuse or big issues such as you fill in the blank, I can promise you this much, if you and I would be so diligent to look for where it's starting, we'll be ahead of the game. Let me share with you, and, and this is where I need you to take this personal and, 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 and try to fit it, try to fit it into your own world, because I feel really strong for the next few minutes to talk about marriage, but I also know the church I pastor. There's a lot of students in the room that are not married. There's also a lot of widows in the church that are not married. But in between there, we have folks that are engaged. We have folks that, that are separated. We have folks that are divorced. And all of those are valuable people to me that I cherish. So I'm going to have to have you figure out a way to fit this into your dynamic. But I want to talk to the married men and women for the next few minutes. I want to show you a few little foxes that I as a pastor have dealt with in my own marriage and then a few little foxes that I've walked others through. That if you leave these foxes unattended, if you leave these foxes still running around in your vineyard, it will bring destruction to what you're trying to build. The first one's gonna be really controversial. And I'm telling you what, I'm not even checking my emails tomorrow. If you email me tomorrow, I'm just assuming that I upset you today because of how controversial it is. Denora warned me. She said, you better tread lightly, baby. I am going to tread lightly, but I'm not going to tread so lightly that I feel like I missed my opportunity. So receive the word of the Lord today. A little fox that can really mess you up in your home with your relationship of all people could be your children. Your children the ones you hold in your hands or the ones that sit in this section or the multitude of a hundred or so that are across the parking lot being served. Pastor, I mean, how do my children bring about issues in my marriage? It was my marriage that produced the children. I don't get it. Well, let me help you with it. There's a lot of moms and dads that put more effort whether they be single parents or married families, they put more effort in being better parents than they do being a spouse or partner. Somebody want to take a lap and rejoice for the victory today? 
<laughs> Somebody just want to have a bathroom break? I'm sorry, baby. I got, I got a little sign. I got a little, uh. Man, we shine as a daddy and a mama in the culture we're in. And guys, listen, we don't live in Des Moines. We don't live in Borgo or Paris, Louisiana. We're not living somewhere off in Wyoming. In the Metroplex, we are the busiest people on the planet Earth. We don't have a soccer game. We've got a soccer tournament that lasts three years. Our kids don't play ball. They're going to like supposedly make a living at it one day. They don't play in the band. They play at Bass Hall. This culture that we live in called the Metro Insane Plex puts so much pressure on parenting. Now, before any of you... Uh, think that I'm calling on you to uproot your children out of extracurricular activities by no means. Extracurricular activities build character. They build teamwork. They build integrity. I, I, I was fortunate. I, I was one that my parents, uh, they had the means financially, and they made sure that I was involved in sports and extracurricular activities. They sacrificed for me to, from T-ball all the way up through high school. If it could be played, they allowed me to play it. But where I grew up, in a very small country setting, and then also those many years ago, it was a little different. So I'm talking to all of you that have children in these formidable years. Where we are now, all of the extracurricular stuff has gotten really on steroids. It is out of control. People take out personal lines of credit for the select team and the travel required. People go in the hole financially just to make sure that they have the best of the best of the best in equipment. There are so many sacrifices spent on our children. Here's where I'm going with this that I wonder if we're shortchanging our marriage. Let me put it to you this way if you're looking for something really good to give your children, it's not you being the superstar parent, it's you having. The superstar marriage. Your marriage, whether we want to debate this or whether maybe some of you may not agree with this, I'm really not opening it up for debate because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is your marriage is the greatest gift that you can give your kid more than any experience of any extracurricular activity that's even available. So how does, this, how does this apply to the unfortunate widow in the room? How does, it apply to the un, uh, how does it apply, rather, to the unfortunate separated family or the divorced family? It applies the same way. You just got to be creative and not tune me out. You have to be creative to the sense of you being a healthy you is more important than you showing up to every game. There's a lot of you that are showing up to every game. You're in the stands. You're in the chair. Shoot, man, you're coaching the team, but yet you're unhealthy. When it comes to you being healthy, you're not healthy. You're visible, you're there, but you're not there. So this is not just for the married man and woman with a wedding band. It's for any of us that have offspring. Your offspring could literally be bringing about an unhealthy you. 
And let me talk to the ones that are divorced because I've walked through this with my own family. And, and I remember the sincere, the truly sincere statements that my sister made when she went through the unfortunate thing called divorce. I remember her saying these words with passion. And I believe she's correct with the statement when she says, well, right now in my life, I've got to make it all about my kids. And what we do is whenever you go through something unfortunate like separation or divorce, you do make sure but out of your love for your children that you want to shelter them and protect them and you make it about them. And I get that. But here's what's unfortunate. It can't always be that way. At some point, you're going to have to use some creativity and some wisdom, sensitivity to timing, and you're going to have to make sure that you're okay. Is this all right this morning? Because the little fox of an unhealthy you left unattended, your children, your home, that vineyard can be destroyed over time. Now, since I've already waited out there and got myself in trouble with a few of you, I'm just going to go ahead and go all in. Y'all ready for this one? Ooh, help me, Lord Jesus. There's a lot of marriages that would be, I'm closing my eyes. I don't want to look at you. There's a lot of marriages that would be a lot healthier if you would lessen the influence of your own parents and your in-laws. Try to hit a moving target. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, when you, when you see the scriptures, it's God's idea of marriage that a man would leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and these shall become one flesh. There's a lot of folks that when you said I do, you forgot that part of saying I do was I do promise you that we'll create our own family. Now here's where we are in this church. Remember us jokingly when we opened up the service, we were kind of having fun saying, this ain't your grandma's church, but in a way it is. Here's the thing about Calvary. We're such a wonderfully healthy established ministry that we have some grandparents that attend this church that their children that are married that attend this church and then their grandbabies so this actually is going to be a double whammy and I want you to take this and I want you to hear this there's got to be some healthy boundaries put into place from the younger married couple and also the parents of the younger couple and the in-laws of the younger couple. Without those boundaries, it's all going to get blurry. Can I make it plain? Now I'm going back my, my upbringing. Can I make it plain? Let me make it plain for you. Give your married children some space to figure it out for themselves. Now, I'm not saying cut them loose. I'm not saying don't return their call. I'm not saying don't offer your wisdom and insight. But don't try to operate in the marriage for them. And let me just go ahead and touch it. Don't try to raise their kids for them. Now, this portion of the message was a lot more uh, applicable in the first service because that's where a lot of your parents go to church. And I preached it just as this. But in this service, what's more important is don't take advantage of your parents to raise your children. 
There's a thin line. There's a balance between including grandma and grandpa and just handing them Johnny and Susie. And I'm not preaching and teaching about something that I don't have to practice. Years ago, I had the gift in my life that my mother and father relocated from Louisiana to come here. And trust me, they didn't come here for me. They came here for Denora and our girls. But we have, to, we, have to, we have to juggle this. We know that at times they want our girls. So therefore they have them. We also try our best to be sensitive to the timing that there's times that they're done with our kids and we can't abuse that. There are times that I seek their wisdom and then there's times that I screen their call. Why y'all laughing? Are they here? I thought they was out of town. It's supposed to be a holiday or something. Check it out. Some of you, some of you, your home and your marriage would be solved like this. If you would take as though you would have a remote. And if you would turn some voices up in your life that are trying to speak words of life and blessing over you, you need them. Then you could take that remote and turn down voices in your life that are speaking ill over your home. And then some of you need to flat out mute a few people because the only words they want to speak over you is, is, is words of cursing and words of, of, of defeat. Ladies and gentlemen, we only get one chance at this thing. And I know I'm spending a little time on the, on the married families, but as a pastor, I feel like I really need to. If you're here today and your spouse is not in service with you, I pray that you'll take this and not use it as a club. Well, you should have heard pastor. You, you should have listened. Well, you know, unfortunately, he and she's not here. So you have an option. You can make a wise decision and practice this yourself instead of expecting them to practice it. Is this all right? And then, let me, let me, let me jump because I'm running out of time. Here's another little fox that is so, so prevalent in this group that we're in today. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a little fox in every single one of our lives that if we're not careful, is gonna ruin your vineyard. It's the fox of social media. Now, if you're a guest here today, this ain't normal for me every Sunday. I don't just take the pulpit and try to tell us all the dangers of life. I spend 99.9% .9 of my ministry trying to point us towards the Lord, and of which will be done today as well. But I will tell you as your pastor, social media is not evil. Social media is a blessing to all of our lives. But if you manage it wrongly, or let me say if you don't manage it at all, Social media could be the very thing that could grow to being a big, big problem in your life. I never bring my phone to the platform, but I did today to use this as an illustration. This is what they call a smartphone. 
But unfortunately, they make us stupid. Somebody, somebody just tweeted that. That was so powerful. Man, that preacher boy, he is just, it was revelation. He said, smartphones make us stupid. Oh, deep thoughts with Tommy Brandon. Can I tell you something? These phones right here will make you dumb. Think before you post, people. You don't have to post everything you think. Listen, you don't have to say everything you think. If you want your marriage to improve, stop talking. <laughs> oh, sweet Lord. Let me tell y'all. There's some stuff I see people post. I just want to say, I want to call and say, where are you? I'm at work. What's the address? Why? Because I'm about to blow you up. You are ruining your life. Ladies and gentlemen. Here's where we really mess up. We sign on to these social media things, you know, Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, all this kind of stuff. We sign on and we instantly start comparing our worlds to everyone else's. You see their little boy hit a home run and you're like, my little boy didn't make the team. You think their little girl, she won the science fair and you're like, my little girl can't spell science. (laughs) Her, Her husband got a raise. Your husband's at the lake. My girlfriend, you're looking on the picture, you're like, man, I wish my girlfriend would dress like that. And you're, I ain't even going to go there. (laughs) Social media and the comparison of lifestyles is a little fox. You'll start comparing yourself. I wish I had that car. Look at them, man. Look at them driving that fancy car. My transmission's slipping. Look at that house. Wow, look at that house. And we're still stuck in this apartment. And you'll start comparing things. And that little fox called comparison will mature over time. And you'll grow unhappy with what God's given you. And then there's a real danger with social media, especially Facebook. Facebook's an interesting tool of communication. Because majority of relationships on Facebook are rebirthed from past relationships. And really what's scary is you'll go starting to, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll remember the past and, and you'll start going back in time. And man, you'll, you'll strike up conversations with whole high school flings and you'll remember college nights and maybe you never knew happened. Uh, you'll have all kinds of situations pop up on Facebook and you'll start dealing with that and you'll start having nostalgia. Next thing you know, you turn into that man or woman It gets nervous when somebody asks to look at your phone. Speaking of that, you ought not have any apps on your phone that tempts you to be secretive. You shouldn't have any apps on your phone that allows you to get away with murder. Don't have any apps on your phone that if you are asked, do you have that, you kind of, you know, sheepishly agree. Ladies and gentlemen, it's either you have a deal with a big, big issue in your life or you can listen to me and take care of a few small things that will keep you from destruction later. Give your passwords to your spouse. If you're nervous about that, that's a little fox. It may not be a huge problem now, 
But that little fox is going to be a big fox one day. Share everything. Can I even go further? Share finances with your spouse. I can't do that. The woman already spends me out of the house and home already. <laughs> Share it with her. Well, I can't do that. He, 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 who knows what he'll do with it if he finds out what we've got. Share it. Secrets aren't healthy. I'm telling you, baby, I can get my insurance license. We can go home, Louisiana, and sell some insurance, and they got a good golf course. I still got rights to a hunting lease there. I, we, we'll be okay. Because the way this is going, I'm not. You know, I thought the fireworks for tomorrow night. I didn't know it was in the service this morning. Social media. Let's talk about one more before I, before I close today. Here's one that all of us could put on like a garment and wear because all of us are guilty of it. Don't entertain thoughts that are not true because if you believe them long enough, they're going to become truth in your life. And you'll start building your life around a belief system that never was true in the first place. You could be at the... Uh, you could be at your break room on your job and you could share something that you thought was, you know, was a healthy thing to share with your coworker about an issue you're dealing with. But all it takes is that one coworker that doesn't have your best interest in heart to say, well, I wouldn't let my kids do that. I wouldn't let my husband treat me that way. You deserve, how about this one? You deserve better than that. And boy, you go back to your little cubicle and you start working, you start thinking, I think I do deserve better than that. Then you go home and you have the foolish decision. I think I deserve better than this. And then the next thing you know, we have a problem. All because you chose to entertain a thought that wasn't true, but now it's become a belief and you've bought, you've bought it. What I'm trying to show you this morning is that there's hope for your home and family. And all of these things that I'm talking about, if you can relate to any of them, these are not deal breakers. The enemy wants you to think, man, I, I completely, I, I relate to what he's saying. I don't say these things to say that you're on your way to destruction. I say these things to you to say, you've got the incredible opportunity right now on this, the first Sunday of July, to identify these issues to acknowledge these issues and then start making healthy decisions to get on the right path. There's hope for you. The other day I had to go to, I had to, go to Dallas and I don't really care to go to Dallas much. I don't really know Dallas that well. I'm, I'm very comfortable all around the Fort Worth area, but Dallas, it changes so often that I'm, I, I think, well, it used to be in this area of town and then it's moved. So I had to use my GPS system. Thank God for it. But there's three things that happened to me the other day that I want to share with you that I felt like completely put the bow on this gift of a sermon. There's three things that I had to, that I had to uh, uh, lay down like law in my life to operate where I was getting to go is this. Number one, if you want to write these down, it's good for you to write these down. You've got to know where you are. I had to establish where I was. 
I had to have a location point of where I was. You don't go to the mall and start trying to figure out how to get to somewhere without you getting to one of them little signs that has that X and says, you are here. Thank God that it says I am here. Some of you, the best gift you can give yourself right here this morning is establishing where you are in your healthy life of relationship. You got to know how healthy is this marriage? How healthy is my home? How healthy are my finances? You have to look at it, analyze it, and establish where you are. And then secondly, you have to know where you want to go. Anybody ever sat in the driveway for more than two minutes saying, where do you want to eat? I don't care where you want to eat. I don't care where you want. You want Mexican? I don't know. What do you want? You want Italian? I don't know where you want. Here, let's just go back in and eat some cereal. (laughs) Anybody been there? Here's the thing. Check this out. You got to know where you want to get. So you got to know where you are, but you also got to figure it out where you want to go. Do you want to get out of debt? Do you want your marriage to be healthy? Do you want a deeper connection with the children you're raising? Where are you, what's your faith seeing as the outcome? Because once you know where you are and where you're wanting to get, then the third thing is this, then you can choose the route you're gonna take to get there. And with God, trust me, he gives you just a plethora of options. He doesn't say it's got to be this way, this way, this way. The Spirit of the Lord is new every day. He'll take you on a journey to health and relationship and in your family life. He'll piece it together for you on the fly. And if you get off route, guess what? He'll reroute you. God is good at rerouting. He'll show you some U-turns. He'll show you some shortcuts. He might even take you away and around from hazard and problems and construction. But you got to know where you are, where you want to get, and then you got to choose the route by the help of the Lord. Let me close with this today. If our um, musicians can come and help me close, um, I'll dismiss as I did in the first service, Jeff, so if you'll help me. In the book of Ezekiel, the man of God found himself in a really unique place, somewhere that I know I personally would never want to physically be. He found himself in the valley, the Bible says, a valley of dry, sun-bleached bones. And I know that's very graphic, but allow me to expound on it. The man of God was in a valley of these dry bones, representing death, representing decay, representing something that once was, representing something that appeared on the surface that all hope was gone. And the Spirit of the Lord said, man of God, can these bones live? And the man of God answered, Charlie, just like you would, I have no idea. God, only you know that. And once the ball was thrown in the court of the Lord, God said, perfect. If only I can know that, then I choose life. And God said, man of the Lord, speak to the bones these words. Tell those bones, this is the word of the sovereign Lord. I will breathe life into you again. From that corner 
to this corner and from that corner to this corner. Every single one of us in this room have an area, we have a place in our lives that we feel has slipped through our hands and that we've lost all hope in. Maybe it's dealing with an addiction. Maybe it's dealing with a sin issue. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our money. Maybe it's our kids. You name it. Our career. We feel as though it's just dry, sun-bleached bones. And there's no life available. May I tell you, on this first Sunday of the month, as I'm doing my dead level best with my limited ability to reach into your heart and tell you that the Spirit of the Lord can bring you to life again in the areas that you have given up on. The marriage that you feel is on life support, God can heal it. If you are someone that's went through the roads of divorce or separation, maybe you're currently separated, can I tell you that the Spirit of the Lord can heal you I wish that I could take out a magic wand and say every broken marriage will be restored. I wish I could take out a magic wand and say every divorced person will find a spouse again. I wish I could speak to every widow and say God's, got, God, God's gonna just, this week, gonna send you someone. That's the work of the Lord. The preacher can't do any of that. But what I can do for you is to tell you that you have hope in the living God for a better life for increase, for blessings and favor because God is for you and he's not against you. And what God has planned for you involves his goodness. It's the goodness of the Lord that he has in store for you. My question is, do you know where you are and do you know where you want to get? And are you willing to get rid of those little foxes that want to keep you from getting there. Stand with me today. I would, I would be willing to say that almost, well, a majority, we'll just say a majority. A majority of every Sunday, I open up an altar call. I'm not going to do that today because what you need is, you don't need an altar call. Because once the altar call is over, you're going to get in the car with all the same stuff that you came in here with. What you need is courage and strength to do some house cleaning, to do some forgiving, and to accept forgiveness. What you need is a long look in the mirror and say, okay, it's time that we take this serious. It's time for me to become a man of character and integrity. It's time for me to become a, a woman of honesty. It's time for me to serve. It's time for me to love. All the men in the room, it's time for us to look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm, I, it doesn't always have to be my way. I'm gonna serve her. I'm gonna serve my children. To all the single parents, single moms, single dads, to all of you in the room, it's time for you to look in the mirror and say, I love my children and I will go to my deathbed trying to provide for them and bless them. But it's time for me to get healthy too. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, while I've only touched a handful of safety measures, we know that your word and your spirit will reveal thousands more. So 
But Lord, because of time and also, Lord, just because of my own personal capacity, I can't reveal all things that we need to be watching out for. But Lord, take these few that as a pastor I see that are prevalent. Take these few and allow us to do something with them. Let us give more time to those that we're in covenant with. We'll always honor and cherish our babies. But those babies are going to grow and depart one day and we have to make sure that home is still healthy. I pray a special blessing, Lord, over all of these in the room, over their finances. I pray, Lord, that the temptation to keep up with the Joneses of the world, that we won't fall victim to that. We'll stay within our means. We'll manage what you've given us. I pray, Lord, that our minds will not drift into dark places that will bring about sin. That we'll keep our minds pure and clean and clear. We'll keep the main thing the main thing. And Lord, when we start drifting into areas we know that are dangerous, that we'll be quick to reach up and allow you to rescue us. I pray over our children, keep them healthy, safe, and sound. Keep them running with the right kids. Let us guard our homes of bad influence. We're the men and the women, whether we're married or not, we're the men and the women that protect our homes. We keep the things of the world out. We keep them pure, clean, and wholesome. I pray a blessing on this church. And Lord, while this is a really unique sermon series, I make absolutely zero apologies for it. Because, Lord, you know how my heart breaks when I have to walk through the storm with people. So let this sermon series be like a lighthouse to keep us off the rocks, keep us off the shoreline, and keep us in safety. I pray a blessing on us and let us have a most incredible holiday as we are so thankful for those that have given us the freedom in America that we have, but we also want to take advantage of the freedom that you've provided for our home. I pray all of this in Jesus' name and let everybody say amen. Let's clap our hands in closing.